Welcome to the Potter and Maguire podcast, brought to you by Psychogear, Beast Fuel Energy Drink, finished in MA and Dream Elite Pro Store. children of all ages. Happy September, by the way. We finally made it. And welcome back to the Potter McGuire podcast here on DreamLeaguePro.com. And boys and girls, my mutual host with the most, the man himself, Mr. Don McGuire. Hey, Don. Hey, what's happening? Looking forward to a tremendous show tonight. You know, we get the got a packed house. And not only do we have a packed house, we have four different promotions in the house. So it's going to be kind of a unique night for us, man. I'm looking forward to it, brother. Oh, my God, it's going to be such a good show. We have so many good, good fighters. In a little bit, we're going to get super-duper uh, super Cooper coming on. But we have James Krause coming on for the UFC. We have such a plethora of talent coming on here. Four guests, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. You're going to hear so much about the game. I can't wait, Don, especially on the heels of a great weekend in mixed martial arts. I'm so stoked about this episode. Don, tell all about it while we get superstar Bobby Cooper on there. Super-duper Bobby Cooper. Oh, yeah, we got to get super duper. Well, you know, I just kind of want to touch on this show tonight. You know, it's like we've we've got super duper Bobby Cooper coming on first from the world, getting ready to fight in the World Series of Fighting. Uh, then we've got James Krause who's going to humble us. We've got uh, Dave Badman Huckabee who's going to come in and drop some knowledge on us. And then we're going to finish off the night with Mr. Benito Lopez, who is, you know, a king of the cage fighter getting ready to, Set another day, you know, precedenting fight date here real quick. I think it's at the end of the month, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. You know, all these guys on tonight are so humble, and they're a great tribute to the sport and as men, you know? Yeah, absolutely, and they're all really deep into their careers. I mean, they've all been through their battles. They've all been through their wars. They're both going through their trial and tribulations. They're both, you know, celebrating their successes as much you know, I, I have a deep, profound respect for all, every single one of them, and especially Bobby Cooper, who's coming out a little bit. He's actually uh, getting ready to fight for World Series of Cage Fighting. Uh, actually, WSOF, he's actually getting ready to fight for. I apologize. I guess a very, very prominent Russian fighter who's very, very tough and is going to give him a challenge. He's most certainly going to give him the type of caliber of opponent that I think Bobby Cooper is t- capable of handling. I think it's going to be a very, very good fight. What do you, what do you think uh, him he- handling heading into his next fight? How's he going to do? Oh, I think he's going to do tremendous. You know, I you know I think you know after Bellator 150, he kind of looked at where he wanted to go, and he's moved up in weight, and he's pretty much a tremendous guy. You know, I just I just shot him a couple weeks ago up there at Glory MMA and Fitness in Lee Summit, Missouri, and he's looking he's looking phenomenal. He's he's truly an articulate. Fighter. You know, one thing I like about his style, it's some say awkward, some say unorthodox, you know, but I think it's unique. You know, the style and the mobility that he brings to the cage is, is very profound. And I think that, you know, Bobby is going to put on a, a heck of a fight that night coming up here in Worlds at WSOF. And I, I will be in house for that fight, so I, I get to see the man up close and personal uh, against the Russian. I can't wait for that night, man. Yeah, exactly. And what, what what I noticed about Bobby Cooper, too, because I always get a bio on everybody. I always do my research, always do my due diligence. What I like so much about Bobby Cooper 
is you say he has a very awkward style, very, you know, it, 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 it's against the grain style, but I think it's very unique. And especially, I, I don't like the sport when if you fight one opponent, you fight every opponent. Like, everyone has the same style and everything like that. He brings something different to the cage, which I really do appreciate about his fighting style. It, it reminds me... Like what Bruce Lee says, he does the art of fighting without fighting. You know, like he, he has a very unique style. When he steps in the cage, he's not like any other opponent you actually ever faced. He's bringing in something unique, and you have to actually do your research. You actually have to game plan for him because, you know, he's a unique style. He brings a unique style to the cage, and he's going to bring the fight to you, which I, I appreciate his style. Like, and you, you shot him too. Like what would you have to say and how you would describe Bobby Cooper's style? It's just unique, man. I I really have. I don't know. It's it's Bobby Cooper. It's it's what works for him. And you know, I took a picture that I posted, and and Bobby said, you know, that looks kind of funny, but at least the punch landed. And somebody else commented on there, and you, you know, it it kind of took off from there. But looking back at that moment and looking at the shots that I did capture of Bobby that day, it. It truly is. It's it's different, and it's like you said. He he brings a different style to every fight. I mean, you look at the fight with with Villaseca compared to the fight with David Rickles. You know, he came out against Rickles at Bellator 150, and he was banging. You know, Rickles got lucky, caught him with a knee, and the rest is history. But you know, one thing that has never changed in Bobby Cooper, and and that's his humility. And I, I've never met a fighter that lost a more. Uh, you know, that, that fight, he really wanted to win that fight against Rickles. And, you know, after that loss, he was out there shaking everybody's hands and, and being nice, being Bobby Cooper. And and that's one thing that I've learned and loved about all the glory fighters is whether it be a win or a loss, they take it with great humility. And and I right. truly appreciate that in all all aspects of the sport. Yeah, he's got a good attitude, and that's that's what comes with the game. Like you, you got to have not not your not just your training has to be up there, but you also have a good attitude. You have to have a good attitude, you know. Like attitude determines your latitude. And you know what? Bobby Cooper might have lost his last fight. It could be no more devastating than you know. It could be worse. You know, it could be CM Punk's last fight. <laughs> you know, which <laughs> oh uh, yeah, don't even get me going on CM Punk. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I tell you know, like my post stated, you know. CM Punk, don't give up the WWE because you ain't going to make it in the UFC, you know, and that's just my own personal opinion. You know, he went out there, he did what he had to do, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not a person that is one for pulling somebody from, from the WWE and giving them that such a, you know, that great of a fight on that, you know, that level and that scale and taking away from a deserving fighter. That's that's who I am old school-wise. I know a lot of the fighters don't agree with it. Because they they feel it puts money into other other fighters' pockets on a trickle down effect, but yeah. you know what? If that was to occur and a fighter was to get bumped off of a fight three or four times in a row, they would be rethinking their thought on that. And and I'm not going to dwell too deep in that because I want to get super duper Bobby Cooper on and uh, pick this young man's mind. Yep, and I actually just texted him. So if you want to shoot him a message done, I think you're. Uh... I texted him the number and everything like that. So if you want to get him on Oh, here, I think he's right? waiting for us to call him. Why don't we just call oh, him on the air if we yeah, can? Let's give him a call. Okay, not even a problem. Let's do that. Sorry, boys and girls. Uh, while Bobby Cooper actually just got fresh out of surgery, so Don and I didn't communicate. But you can actually smell again. So this is a good day, Don. <laughs> yeah, he just hit me. He's waiting. He's He said, I'm here waiting. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Bobby Cooper. I will apologize to him. 
time to give him a call. You just give me a thumbs up, man. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> Come on, Bobby. That's our boy. Let's give him a call. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox oh, that has not on, been Bobby. set up yet. <laughs> hey, Don, what are you trying to pull here? Ah, uh, man. It's making okay, me look bad. Right. You know, Bobby calling you. Hey, I am hey, writing him another call. message. Okay, Your phone is off. Try to give him a call again. I'm sorry, but the person Ooh. you called has a voice mailbox that has not been... You can't even leave him a funny voice message. Damn it. No, I, that's what I'm... I apologize to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. And while you apologize, while you actually tried them on the show, let me share... Because I, I, I... We've been talking Yeah, about go ahead. I'll communicate show. with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while, while we were actually on the subject of CM Punk and all that shit, I mean, I, I watched the fight firsthand. And I'm not fighting ba- fighter bashing, you know? Like, and, you know, when other fighters give their opinion, I listen to it. You know, it's valid... When somebody that's been through that been through that walk went into the cage, laid it all on the line. When they say they disagree with CM Punk's involvement with mixed martial arts, it's it's valid because they earned that right. They have a either have above a yellow belt in their style of fighting. They've been wrestling their entire life, or they've been on the, the mat grappling or been in competition. They've been fighting in the cage. Their opinion's valid because they actually bled for the sport. They donated blood to the octagon. I'm no different. I've donated plenty of blood to the octagon. I've been fighting since I was a very, very young boy, and I love the sport. You know, I'm here fresh off of surgery, serious surgery, to talk about the sport. I love it more than anything, and I love the fighters and everyone involved. Um, I don't agree with any, anybody that's never been through that walk and actually been in the cage disagreeing with CM Punk or bad-mouthing him because I don't believe in fighter bashing. So when somebody, when a fan is dissing CM Punk, I'm like, well, when's your last cage fight? Uh, but that's neither here or there. But CM Punk's fight, he did not deliver, obviously. Two years of experience fighting Mickey Gall, who I know, I know you disagree with CM Punk because that takes away a well-deserving spot. But now I'm a big Mickey Gall fan. Now I discovered Mickey Gall and how talented he is. And everybody looked up his footage. And now everyone knows about this new rising star, Mickey Gall, who hopefully fight fight Super Stage North Cup. Now I'm now I'm more intrigued in that fight than I ever was in CM Punk fighting Mickey Gall. Uh, CM Punk also, people are upset that he earned $500,000 in the last fight, but also he drew the most buys on a non-McGregor, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey pay-per-view. So more eyes got to, got to see the punk based on CM Punk being that bait. You know, he actually, it was a mousetrap to get more people onto the product. And hopefully they saw Ryan Faber putting a classic fight. I hope they saw Alistair Overeem fighting Stipe. I hope they saw Fabricio Verdum putting on the craziest fight I've ever seen in my life where they actually called a timeout halfway through it and he did a ninja kick in the, front, in the beginning of the fight. I mean, CM Punk, I know you hate the concept of it, but there's a, a couple good takeaways. You know, and any fighter, and like you, Don, your opinion is valid, and I respect your opinion. But, you know, anybody else that badmouth CM Punk what making that walk to the cage, when you never have, you don't, you haven't earned an opinion to badmouth the guy who wants to step in. Let Punk fight on the regionals. Let him fight, like, on, like, the Emmys. Like, you know, like, I don't want CM Punk to give up his MMA career, but I don't want him to get hurt. So I don't want him to fight in the UFC again. Your thoughts? Uh, my thought is, 
Bobby's waiting for us, man. <laughs> and I don't want Bobby Cooper mad at me, bro. <laughs> okay, not a problem. Let's give him a call. Almost you got that new number I gave you, right? I'm sorry, but the person no, you called not. has... Okay, I gave you the new number in your inbox. That's my bad. I must have typed the wrong number to you, bro. It's okay, Don. No, Ladies that's the number I apologize, but it wouldn't be it would be a Don McGuire episode if I didn't mess up. <laughs> Don, we've been waiting four shows to have our first mess up, and finally we got it. Um, I tried calling that number though, and it went straight to voicemail. Okay, let me tell him it's God. It's going straight to voicemail, dude. I apologize to all the listeners. At two or three people are literally entertained by listening to this. Like, oh, you screw up. Look at these guys. They can't even figure out their phone dialing system. And I'm king, you guys. That's all I care about. So don't even worry about it, guys. We're going on the show. <laughs> I know, you know, and, and I apologize. You know, it, it, I don't know why his phone's going straight to voicemail. But I'm communicating with him right now. I'll just, David, why don't you just give me the number and, and I'll just type it in here. Okay, it's going to be 660-563. No, 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 not his number, the call-in number. Oh, the call-in number is 914-205-58. I mean, 5388. So 914-205-5388. Hey. Number for Super Duper Bobby Cooper, and we got a stack show by the way, and I can't wait. And Bobby Cooper is is one of those guys I talk to. He, he's heading yeah, you know, and I apologize for the you know the mix up this evening to our listeners, and he doesn't understand why his phone. He said, you know, that's pretty weird, and he apologizes. So we're we're gonna get Super Duper on the phone line right now. Well, speak of which, Don, please enter. Uh, please introduce this incredible fighter on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, and his phone messing up, not me, the one and only super duper Bobby Cooper. Bobby, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great, except for my phone messing up. <laughs> yeah, you know, it had me looking bad on the air. Here we're sitting there trying to Man, call I'll you and that. making it look like it was my mistake. But, you know, no. since we kind of lost a little bit of time, Bobby, I just want to thank you for joining us. And I'm going to kind of jump in real quick here. You know, kind of take us back over the last two fights in your career, if you don't mind. You kind of, you went back, you fought Pablo Villaseca, and you won by split. And then we know, everybody knows what happened at Bellator 150 you know, against Caveman Rickles. And now you're set to fight, I'm not, uh, Magomed, I'm just, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I would just sound like an idiot. And, and WSOF 33, uh, what have you done, Bobby, to prepare yourself for this upcoming battle in WSOF? against quite a formidable opponent. Well, uh, most of my fights have been, especially my big fights, have been at 155. Um, I'm a huge 55-er, and I cut a lot of weight. Uh, and my whole training camps have always been making weight. I, I don't go to practices to get better. I don't go to practices to work on things. I go to practice to burn calories to get my weight down. So uh, what, what we decided as a camp, my coaches, my manager, myself, sat down, had a talk, and we decided to, to go up to welterweight, whereas I'll be a average-sized welterweight, but I can really focus on my game plan, bettering myself as a fighter, 
and just focusing on the fight and not just losing weight. Most definitely. Now, Bobby, when I shot you maybe a week or two ago, you know, we were kind of talking and touching a little bit on the style of Bobby Cooper. Some say it's, you know, unorthodox. Some say it's awkward. I, I think it's Bobby Cooper. I think it works. I think if you find something and you make it work for you and, and, you can proceed and, and make others look silly and, and that, with the style that you present, uh, then go for it. What has brought Bobby Cooper to the to profound level of striking that he's at, being that he does have such an awkward style? Well, it's, it's James Krause. He's uh, obviously a coach, UFC fighter, but he, he's really good at teaching things and then letting it incorporate in your system. You know, once you get past the amateur stage of, you know, strict boxing, strict kickboxing, just being super strict and super um, technical. Once you get past that, you have to find your own flavor, your own style of fighting. And once you find that he is just an amazing person is incorporating his styles, his teachings into your game, to fit your game. You don't have to become him. You know, what he teaches becomes you. And uh, I, I think that's that's the difference. You know, I've had a few coaches, I've had a few situations where people have taught me things and it's, you know, this is right, this is wrong. And, you know, with James, it's like, hey, you know, that's not wrong, that might work, but try this as well. You know, try this off of of this step that you like to do. Try this off of this setup you like to do. You know, and it's, you know, it's not changing me, it's just adding to the arsenal. And he's just been phenomenal at doing that with me and a lot of the other fighters. Very cool. And what, You've always had good showings, Bobby, and I, I've loved watching your footage, and I've loved watching what you presented every single fight. You fought in Bellator, you fight in Titan FC, you, you fought for the big leagues, and you always come there ready for, to fight, and you're making your debut in WSOF. What do you plan on bringing to the table, especially in this debut bout, introducing the WSOF fans to who you are, Bobby Cooper, someone with a unique style, and someone that's always fight? Well, uh, one thing, and people have always noticed this in my David Rickle fight, is a lot of my old fights, I'm very, um, I'm a point fighter. I do a lot of pitter-patter, a lot of make people look silly, touching them up, and I have a lot of decisions. I don't have a lot of finishes. Uh, I told myself mentally, it's, it's kill or be killed. It's going there. I was fighting Rickles. We weren't leaving the first round. I did not want to leave the first round. I have cardio to do it. Um, but I, I changed myself into a, into a killer instinct mindset, and that's something with my style being unique, being exciting, and then adding that factor into it. I think I have a lot to present to uh, World Series of Fighting. Yeah, very cool, and that's what I noticed too. Like it, your fights do go to decision, which you know you you really do come off as an IQ fighter. Where- Picking your shots, you are wisely, you're not working harder, you're working smarter, which I always appreciate about the fights that I did see you fight in. Um, so the next opponent you have, very evenly matched in, on, on paper, you know, he's been through the regional scene in Russia and uh, to, through the European uh, ringer. Um, what's your plan? And not giving all of it away, but what's your game plan, especially fighting such a formidable opponent in the WSOF? Man, you know, as far as game plans goes, uh, I don't have one. You know, we don't, we don't have one. Uh, I watch maybe 30 seconds of a clip on him, and then the rest is, is my coach and everything. I just uh, – I go in there with my style. My style is to hit them without getting hit very much. Um, mm-hmm. He seems big, kind of slow, really hard. 
you know, I, I plan on going in there and just, just being so much faster than him and being able to hit him a lot more than he hits me and, and to put him away. I just don't think he presents a whole lot that's threatening to me. Well, you know, Bobby, I kind of I kind of want to take you back on something that you said, and you, you and I are friends, so if the listeners kind of find it awkward that I go this angle, it's because we are friends. You know, I want to take right. you back to Rome, Lindsay. You, you call yourself a pity patter fighter, and, and you go on points, but you go back to Rome, Lindsay, who you, you choked out, and then you go to Bellator 150, where you, you came out dominating, you came out just straight hooking them, and you know it was it was a Bobby Cooper that I found refreshing, and you know I do agree with with you having to you know change weights, and I think you're a much better fighter at a different weight class than than you know than you have been in the past. But to me, I, I think. You're a smart fighter. I wouldn't call you a pity patter fighter. I think you're a smart fighter. I think you you pick and choose the moments to explode. Now, is that something that you you got instilled in you a glory, or is something that has always been there in the in the back of Bobby Cooper's mind that this is the moment to do it? Uh, it's always been in my mind that I was better than people. You know, you you have two people in a cage. The better person does not always win. That happens more times than not. And I always felt mentally that that I was the better person. So if I was able to just pick at people, make them look stupid, and not get with those big shots, you know, how can I lose? And that was a mindset for you know most my amateur career and damn near all my pro career. And um, that system is failing. You know, wrestlers are getting better at wrestling. They're, you know, jiu-jitsu fighters are getting better at jiu-jitsu. It, it, people down for three minutes wins in the round. Um, so just instilling a killer instinct, just, you know, keeping up with the game, keeping up with the evolution of MMA in general, you don't get anywhere, you don't get paid without finishing people. So, Most definitely. Now, now Bobby, I kind of want to take a step away from the cage for a second, because when I first met you, you, you showed great humility and, and great respect, and and getting to know you, you are that way very profoundly, you know, daily. Is it something that Glory MMA has instilled in you, in you, or is it something that, you know, your father or somebody else in your life, very prominent, had instilled in you to be, you know, be that humble and walk around with such great humility, even in, in you know, victory and defeat. Uh, you know, we definitely instilled that in glory, don't get me wrong, but um, I have to give all that glory to, uh, to my parents. You know, my parents raised me as a very humble person. Um, my father being, you know, a 30-year Air Force retiree. Um, my mother's obviously a great woman. You know, they, uh, I feel that they raised me to be who I am. I feel like I'm, you know, strong-hearted, have a lot of feelings, um, speak, but still speak my mind. So uh, I'd say it was more my parents and then just the glory atmosphere just fits that with me, you know, and, and it makes it much easier when you have a person like me, you have a person like James, a person like Zach, you know, and just blowing that around the gym and just sinks off to other people that maybe didn't have that type of upbringing that I got lucky enough to have. So, um, yeah, I, I give credit to 
to not only my parents but my whole family. I was, you know, I'm very close to all my family members. Very cool. And um, you know, you you are heading to this fight with with such a such a profound respect and um, and view of the game, which you know I I appreciate most because you know I've been a fan all my life and actually been a practitioner of this great sport. And what for you you train with a plethora of incredible talent in your gym. When, before you enter there and seeing as yourself now and seeing yourself now as a fighter, what would you say was your biggest takeaway or what you've learned from training with uh, a James Krause and training with your, your the different players that you have at your gym? What what have you learned and what how have you evolved as a mixed martial arts training with such top-tier guys? Well, um, you know, it's funny because when I very first started out, uh, MMA wasn't what MMA is now. I started off 10 years ago. Uh, me and buddies were training in a garage with wrestling mats down because uh, there, there weren't big gyms. Big gyms in Kansas City just didn't exist. Um, it wasn't popular enough. So we went from watching videos, and one of our very first times ever was training with someone that was doing was Jamie Varner came down because we had a friend of a friend. Uh, but then shortly after that, I actually got introduced to James. So I got introduced to James really early in my amateur career when I first started the game. So I've been uh, cross-training. You know, I cross-trained years with James. So uh, I've really always been a part of him and his camps and his training. It's just turned into more of a full-time role in the last probably five years. You know, we became the best friends and um, the thing about him is that he just he just preaches you growing as a person. Maybe not in just MMA, maybe not jiu-jitsu, maybe not anything that has to do with martial arts, just you growing as a person. He, he really cares about uh, all of us fighters, all of us friends, and making sure we're getting what we need to get where we're going, if that makes sense. Uh, so the, the biggest thing that I've always learned from James and Glory is just, uh, I guess, with respect for others and the open heartedness to others to help others succeed. If you, if everybody around you is succeeding, that means you're succeeding. Absolutely, that that's amazing, and I'm glad that you said that. And you know, I want you to succeed, especially in this upcoming fight. And when you do fight, is this going to be a showcase of your your evolution as a fighter and all that you've learned? Are you planning on using WSOF as just a showcase to get you to maybe UFC or somebody else, or do you want to make a run at WSOF, get a championship, knock off a few wins, be a mainstay at WSOF, or is the main goal getting to the next level or getting somewhere else, going to like Japan or fighting in uh, UFC? What do you see in the future for Bobby Cooper? Man, that's 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 a good question because honestly, like I just enjoy the sport of fighting, and obviously I enjoy getting paid to fight. Now, the UFC and whatnot, all that's really cool, but, um, you know, I just want to keep fighting, having fun, and keep getting paid to do it. Uh, if that happens to be in World Series of Fighting, you know, once I knock this guy out, if they want to keep me on board and have me fighting for them more, I'd love to do that, you know. If they don't, then they don't, but... Uh, I plan on I plan on showing out enough that they're going to really want to keep me because uh, Bellator wants me back and they want to keep me. So you know I, I really want to show out and and make both of them want me and you know 
Follow the money. Yes, sir. Most definitely, Bobby. You know, Bobby, I kind of want to take a, a step to the other day. I, I seen a, a picture that really touched my heart, actually, and it, it's rem, reminiscent of who Bobby Cooper is and the Bobby Cooper that I know. You, t- you posted the picture the other day with you and your son, and, you know, the little mohawk is just tremendously cute to begin with. But <laughs> the the look on both of your faces in, in this picture you are so reminiscent in, in that young man. He he looks just like you, has the same accolades as you. What does that, that little man do for Bobby Cooper inspirationally and motivationally? Well, he uh, he is by far my best friend. Uh, he's five now, just got into kindergarten. Uh, what I tell myself when I'm training for fights and what I tell myself all the time is, you know, I want to fight so well. I want people to remember me. I want Andrew, who's my son, I want him to look 10 years down the road and be and be proud to say, hey, my dad, you know, whooped this guy's ass in the World Series fight. You know, things like that. I just, you know, I'm trying to make myself something that he would be proud of. So, uh, like I said, he is my best friend. He is my number one concern uh, out of anything. So uh, everything I do, I, I do definitely for him. So... I'd I say that that he, he's a huge inspiration because you know I, I really want to do him do him proud I guess. Bobby, you really do inspire many many people. You and I just last week when or a week and a half ago, whatever it was, when I was there, you know we sat down, we had a talk, and you you always make time for people like just anybody, you know, and and that's one thing I appreciate, you know, truly appreciate about who you are as a person. And, you know, you kind of touched on it was your family that, that truly is that way. You can see that with you and your child, and you can see see that with you. Even when you lose a fight, you're you're still the same person. So from brother to brother, you know, I truly appreciate and respect the man that you are. And you've left a profound impact on me, and being able to be a part of your life is is very touching. And a part of the Glory family is even even more. But looking at WSOF, if there was a statement that Bobby Cooper was looking to make, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to try to pronounce your opponent's name. We'll just call him Eminem, you know, because I'm not going there. And, you know, the thing of it is, if you had to make that statement, Bobby, to our listeners, to your fans, what would that statement be, Bobby, That going into WSOF 33? Uh, I, my statement is that I belong in the cage with anybody. I, I don't feel that there is anybody that is just better than me on a different level than me. Um, Rickles is an elite athlete, and I feel like I was dominating pretty hard. Uh, I got caught, and I lost, and much respect to him. But I feel that if you put me in front of somebody at 170 pounds, I don't care if it's you know Robbie Lawler all the way down to some Joe Blow street fighter. I belong in the cage with anybody, and I will make a show with anybody. As I believe you would, Bobby. You know, uh, we kind of screwed up a little bit at the beginning, and and I apologize. You know, I don't I don't know if it was our phones or if it was your phones, but we got you on. And you know, I just one more question before we move. We're gonna have to move on to our our next guest, and that's my bad. But uh, one question, you know. When you look at life in a whole, Bobby, 
and you look at the fight game, you look at your military career, you look at everything that you do in and outside of the cage, what moments mean the most to Bobby Cooper? Oh, the moments with my son. You know, the little things, the, the wrestling meets. He did wrestling last year as a four-year-old. Him coming over to the sideline, giving me a high five after he just pinned the six-year-old kid. You know, just the, the little moments, the big moments with him is my life. You know, you can take away fighting for Bellator. You can take away fighting for Titan. You can take away me playing football in college, take away everything. And the biggest moments of my life are just the little moments with him. That's the Bobby Cooper that I know and, and truly appreciate. You know, Bobby, uh, at this point in time to show, you know, how things go, we're going to hand the microphone to you, give a shout-out to your sponsors, friends, family, uh, your social media sites. Bobby, it truly was a blessing having you on the show tonight. I, I apologize for the, the shortness of the interview due to the technical difficulties, but appreciate you coming on, bro. Oh, not a problem, and no worries about the short phone calls. I like short interviews anyway. But I don't have a whole lot of shout-outs. Just shout-out to everybody at Glory. Shout-out to my manager, Joe Wooster. Um, just everyone that comes and supports me. I have a lot of people that make a lot of drives um, to go see me fight wherever I go. You know, those guys mean the world to me. Uh, shout-out to my man, Don, for coming in and, you know, taking pictures and always showing me love. Uh, just the MMA world in general. You know, I have a lot of people that talk about me on these forums and everything, and I always get love. And so, I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy to be who I am. Most definitely, Bobby. Now, where can the, the fans find you on social media? Oh, yeah. Just go ahead and add me on Facebook under Bobby Cooper. I don't have enough people on there for it to matter. So just go ahead and add me. I accept everybody unless you look like a robot. Um, Go ahead and add me on Instagram, which is uh, Bobby Cooper Jr., I think. No, Super Duper MMA is my Twitter, and it's my Instagram. And then Bobby Cooper Jr. is my Snapchat. And I still should change all those to be one thing, but I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bobby, you know I look forward to seeing you at WSOF 33 in KC. I wish you the best of luck, my brother. Uh, I'll probably be seeing you before that night, but – you know, Mike, you're always in my thoughts and my prayers, and we appreciate you joining us uh, this evening on the show tonight, bro. Yes, sir. You guys have a good night and enjoy the show. You too, you too. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, that was super duper Bobby Cooper. Uh, and you heard that, right, David? That that wasn't my fault. It was his phone. So, actually, I'm off the hook this time. So I, I've made it four shows without an error with you. Hey, it does, it, don't even worry about it. Pleasure talking to him, and he's such a top talent. And we're talking to another guy I can't wait to talk to because this guy has a plethora of fights underneath his belt, and uh, he's, he's, a game, he's a game opponent for anybody that steps in the cage with him, and I can't wait to talk to him. Can you introduce him, Don? Oh, most definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, I'm just going to say the bad man Huckabuzz on the line with us. What's up, my brother? <laughs> What's going on, fellas, man? Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. What's going on with you? Oh, most definitely. You know, we're just kind of having a good time. Kind of had a little bit of technical difficulties. Apologize that we're running just a little bit behind. Uh, you know, Dan, I, I spoke with you the other day, and you, you kind of touched my heart. It's it's pretty cool, you know, because we're we're kind of on the same level. You know, we truly appreciate life. We truly appreciate family. 
and we respect it as such. Looking at you and your career, you know, I found out the other day that it's truly family and the people that are around you that have brought you to where you're at today. Would you care to reiterate on who has such a profound impact on you to be the man you are today? Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, man, my kids, man. My my kids, my wife, my friends, you know what I mean? The the the, the people that, that believed in me when nobody else did from when I was a kid growing up, you know, running the running the streets and, and people that always told me that I was going to be something when, you know, the whole time I didn't, all I did was think about the minute, you know what I mean? The minute instead of the, the future. And, uh, and my grandma, you know, rest in peace, my grandma, my grandma, man, is the hugest part of my life ever. When the, Man, she just told me that I was different. She told me from day one, man, when I was a youngster, that I was special, that I was a different breed. When it was too tough for everybody else, it was just right for me. Most definitely. You know, it's it's tremendous to hear, you know, such a great fighter speak of family in, in that essence because this is what truly our platform is about. We We really indulge in finding out who the man is behind the cage. And you speak so eloquently of your family and of your grandma. Looking at, you know, before you became a warrior, who inspired you to step into any part of the sport to begin with? You know, uh, my Uncle John, man, my Uncle John was probably the biggest uh, the biggest impact in my life. You know, uh, he, uh, my Uncle John was thirsty. He, he drank a lot. He was an alcoholic. Um, and, uh, he, he was different, man. He was a super tough man. He, uh, super tough man, individual. He, uh, he used to kind of toughen me up, put hands on me, rough me up when I was younger. Not that he like beat me or nothing like that. You know what I mean? Not, not, I'm not sniveling. I'm just saying, you know, the reality of it. He, uh, I think deep inside he knew that I was something special. I was the, the second man in the family, he was the first, you know, being the first boy out of uh, five girls, he was the first boy. And when I came along in the family, he kind of got a little jealous because I was getting a lot of attention, you know. And uh, along along the growing up, you know, I think I was 13 years old, 13, and, you know, uh, my uncle would be at a bar and he'd get a little liquored up or something and he couldn't drive home, so I would go... I would ride my pedal bike down there. It was back in the day, and I would uh, throw my pedal bike in the back of his truck and drive him home. And occasionally, you know, he'd get in a bar fight or two. And they're growing men. You know, my uncle's 30 years old, and I'm 13. And I'd go down there, and I'd see him beat up or see him beat up. And so, you know, and I would I would literally fight the grown men that fought him. You know what I mean? Out in the parking lot, and and I'd beat him up. I was kind of like. <laughs> kind of like the undefeated street fighter for a while, kind of like, you know, the old Kimbo for a minute, but it was before they had internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> my uncle kind of inspired me the most. He probably made me, uh, probably made me the yeah. fighter. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I was, I was just following up on what you were saying. How of a fighter that you involved into and your nickname is bad man. And, I'm going to go straight MMA nerd on you right now because you beat not only Patrick Smith, but you also beat Ray Sefo. I mean, your career has been just that. Like, you are a bad man. Like, how do you feel that has 
transpired or how has that transformed into your MMA career, what you grew up as, your, your morals, and then how you transformed it into a successful MMA career and how you feel at this stage of the game doing all of these incredible things and beating all these incredible opponents? You know, uh, when I first got in MMA, I've been an athlete my whole life, man. I, I excelled in football, loved baseball. Uh, basketball was off the hook, man. I was a, I was a competitor with, with very good players in, at every aspect, at every, at every sport. Um, fighting, man, is just – I was fighting, like I said, when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. I was 31 when I took my very first professional cage fight. Um, at 31 years old, that's a, that's a late start. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I came in, I got called on a. You guys will like this. If I if I can ramble for a minute, is that okay? Can I ramble for a yes. minute? Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. Go on. Okay. So <laughs> so uh, I'm 31 years old. I've been a union iron worker for a few years. Um, my buddy Jeff Morris and uh, he uh, he calls me on a Tuesday, right? Tuesday night. He's like, hey, Dave, what's up, man? How you been? I ain't talked to you in a while. How you living? You know, and I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. He's like, he's like, man, I've seen you fight so many times on the street. I've seen you this. I've seen you that. You know, he's like, uh, you ever thought of being professional? You ever thought of fighting professional? And I chuckle. I laugh. You know, I'm on the couch with my wife, and I laugh. <laughs> I start laughing. He's like, no, Dave, I'm serious, man. He's like, uh with your athletic ability, man, let's get in here. Let's work a little bit of wrestling, take down defense, you know, and uh, let's work Let's work your hands and your feet. He said, for a 250-pound man, you have the fastest hands I've ever seen. So uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know what, let me talk to my wife and, and figure it out. He's like, well, he said, I got an opportunity for you. He's like, do you want to fight Saturday? <laughs> I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, said, I said, Saturday, like this Saturday? He's like, yeah. He's like, this Saturday. And I'm like, dude, I got to talk to my wife, man. I said, you know, my, I can't just make that decision. <laughs> Let me holler at my wife and, and see what's up, you know. And, and uh, he's like, okay, cool. He's like, I had my heavyweight was supposed to fight. He got hurt. I need to fill somebody. I need to find somebody to fill the position. So uh, I hang up the phone, man, and I, I look over at my wife, and I'm like, babe, I just, I just want to, I want a cage fight one time, just once, babe. I said, just, I said, just once, you know. I said, this is a. I want to try it. And what do you think? And she smiles. And she's my wife. You know, you gotta take it, take this in. I've been with my wife for 25 years. She since my sophomore year in high school. So you know, she knows everything that I've been through. She is my best friend. She, she is my rock. My my my. She's the reason I breathe. You know, her and my kids. That's that's. But anyways, back to the story. I said, can we do this, babe? Will you let me? I mean, will you will you support me, basically? Will you support me through this? And she's all, babe, when have I ever told you no? I'll support you in anything you believe in. He's all, she's all, look where you got us now. So, long story short, I took the fight, um, and I choked out this dude in like a minute and 20 seconds. Um, the adrenaline rush, man, having that many people cheer your name, how how it felt. Guys, I made 200 bucks or 400 bucks my first fight. You know what I mean? $400. That ain't nothing. You know, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the money at all. It was it was the 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 adrenaline rush, man. People scream your name. A thousand people. You know, Huckabee. I mean, the little kids that want to high five you and, and sit on your shoulders and get pictures and. Dude, it makes you feel like a damn superstar, bro. It makes you feel like almost something that you're not, you know? I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then 
I guess after that, man, I, I, I got addicted, bro. I had an addictive personality. I, I loved it. So I, I started training full time. Within a year, I started fighting for a living. That's very cool. And uh, just one takeaway, and if there's anyone that's going to be tougher than Dave Huckabee, it's going to be Mrs. Huckabee. So I'm glad she signed <laughs> off and letting you fight and letting you continue this journey. And 23 and 9, 23 wins. Oh, my God. And you have KO after KO, highlight reel knockouts. But at this point of the game in your, in your career, what would you say is your next goal? Or what would you say that you want to do to actually be happy with and satisfied with your career when you do finally hang up those gloves? What, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What do you want to accomplish in this sport before you say, I can actually look back on this and say, this was a good career? Man, you know what? Um, making, making the World Series, making the NBC sports, uh, making it to that level was huge. Um, the the smaller MMA shows, man, it's it's um, we have to sell tickets, man. We have to bust our ass really to get out there and, and and get paid. When I had to start selling tickets and stuff, it almost kind of took the love away from the sport because I have to sell myself and pay myself by ticket sales. Um, I used to I, here it is, guys. I used to absolutely love to fight. I didn't care about the money at first. I didn't have. I really it was nothing. And then when I seen the opportunity that I really had after, you know, a six-fight win streak, getting called by World Series, Strike Force at the time, getting, you know, these off Showtime, Elite XC, um, it opened my eyes to me that I, I was somebody, that I really was here for a reason, that I had a gift. My grandma was always right, you know what I mean? Uh, she told me, like I told you guys, when it's too tough for everybody else, it's just right for you. She was right. The last part of my career right here, man, I uh, I kind of slacked off. You look at all my losses, man, they're pretty much uh, at the end of the career right now because I I stopped taking it serious, man. I started – I stopped taking it serious. I just uh, – it, it – uh, the fire, I guess, you know, the, the, the fire in my heart wasn't, wasn't where it used to be. Having to sell tickets, having to do this. My whole goal in fighting in MMA – was, uh, of course, I want to make it to the UFC just to say I was there. It wasn't about the money. I just wanted to get in there, you know, just to say I was there. I think uh, the Ray Seffel deal, bro, that was that was it for me. The highlight, if you're asking me, the highlight was the Ray Seffel fight. If I came from nothing, man, I came from little town of real Linda, Alberta, all right? It's nothing. It's a hole in the wall. A corn-fed nobody to fight a, a legend, a, a world-class kickboxer, a badass dude, and I beat him at his own game. I would say after that, man, I, I, that, 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 was a, that was a highlight, bro. That's, I don't know, maybe that's when I knew I was somebody, you know what I mean? I know that sounds crazy, but that's probably the, the reality of it. Well, basically, you, you kind of felt you were somebody, bro, but you always were, and you know, you, you talk so eloquently about the career that you had prior to stepping in fighting, but, you know, people, we, this man has been in the game since 2006, so not just are you a tremendous attribute to the sport, but you are part of the sport, my friend, and you are what made the sport what it is today. So may, having a major impact in, in that angle has to be a 
you know, per se, a feather in your hat looking at your career in a whole, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dawn, when I first started, <laughs> my, uh, when I first started, man, I got I was like five. I got my heavyweight belt after a five-second KO, right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, my son, my son's little. He's little baby, not a baby, but he's in school. And he uh, he hits me up, pulls on my short. So that I'm gonna um, I want to bring you to school for show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So check this out, man. I uh. uh I go to a school for show and tell. There's firemen in there. There's police officers. There's lawyers. And then there's me, a fight, a fighter. Who brings a fighter? Who brings a big hair? Bring my my belt in there. And I'm a fighter. You know that that right there, guys. I I can never I can never put a price on that. I can never tell anybody how that feeling right there. How it made me. How it, that was. That was. I don't know. I, I don't know. That was just unreal. David. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I. So you actually. You you brought up that that moment, and I was hearing you, and you're brought in for show and tell, and so proud to be, you know, the fighter there, despite lawyers and everything, and you know, your son showing you off that you are the MMA fighter, and. How how have have you, do you feel because you were in the sport for quite some time? How do you feel that the sport has evolved to now like MMA fighters are famous and now mixed martial arts is at the center of attention? It's the fastest growing sport in the world. For you to be in show and tell, and I'm sure all the kids were happy to see you. How do you feel the sport has evolved to now? It's now socially acceptable as much as commended. Just like any other sport, like NFL, Major League Baseball, and soccer, and basketball, the MMA fighters are at the center of attention, being the fastest-growing sport in the world, and you are a part of it every step of the way. How does it feel that MMA has made those steps and leaps and bounds to now that this, you're part of one of the fastest-growing sports in the world? Well, you know what? I have two sides to that, man. I, I absolutely I love how MMA has evolved. I love where MMA is at today. I absolutely love the fact that guys are starting to get the million-dollar paydays, you know. I think it's well-deserved. I don't think people understand what we risk when we go in there. We're not a uh, – it's not boxing. It's not – you know, we use four-ounce gloves, man. It takes one hit can change your whole life. One hit to your head, one one wrong hit can change your whole life. One one submission, you know, the way that jujitsu is and the way that stuff is today, one one move could change your life forever. And and for a few thousand bucks that just ain't worth it. But the problem is uh, fighters have such we have such heart, most of us. We have we just we just want to get it out there. So one aspect I love where MMA is going. Another aspect it it bugs me, man. I, I I'm not a, a big fan of the the, the, the trash talking, man. I'm a respect. I want to respect you. If I'm gonna fight you, man, the, the reason I want to fight you is is more or less I, I want to test my skills. I want to I want to fight somebody tougher and better for sure because I want to see where I'm at. I put hours in this gym. I want to test you. There's no reason to talk shit. There's 
the Conor McGregor's, man, is he a great fighter? Absolutely. Okay, I like him. He's a great athlete. But the way he goes about shit just isn't for me. You guys, uh, I just, it's not for me. I don't I don't like the, the fake WWE shit. Just show up, dude. Shake a man's hand, fight. If he's afterwards, buy each other a beer and, and be professional. Obviously, guys, that's just my opinion, but I don't like that part of it. I love the paydays. I love how it's growing. I love it. I just don't like the political bullshit part. Yes, absolutely. And I agree with you, too. And Don and I both agree with you. I mean, it, the theatrics are great and everything like that, but it shouldn't be enough to sell tickets. We should tell uh, the MMA sport should sell tickets based on talent, which we've done. The sport has done a good job based on that. And you have, too. You're a very, very talented guy, especially a heavyweight. You know, I see you move and I see the and see some of your fights and you move like kind of like a light heavyweight. I mean, move very, very quick. You're very, very fast. And, you know, you've accomplished so much and you've probably learned so much every step of the way. What is one thing you can tell the young fighter, the young fighter that wants to get into the sport, what can you tell them the best way to proceed yourself and the best way to train yourself and the best way to carry yourself? What would you tell that young fighter or the advice you can give to that one fighter that wants to get into the sport that you were a part of when it was just built, coming up from the ground up? I think uh, I think one of the most important things in the, in the youth fighters, the younger guys, is to stay ready. To stay ready full time. To stay ready because you can have a you can have a, a life changing phone call. You know what I mean? You could get that phone call tomorrow. You never know when somebody at the high level is going to get hurt or somebody can't make it happen. And if you stay ready and you and you stay humble, and and just man, just just know your worth, man. Stay humble, be ready, and know your worth. You know what I mean? That'll take you a long ways in the sport. You know, Dave, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm the I'm the old man of the bunch, and I'm going back with family because hearing you speak of how you were brought for show and tell, you know, it it kind of it, it's humbling, but it, it kind of bothered me. You felt like the way you were speaking, I felt that you didn't feel like you should have been in that position. You know, brother, first and foremost, I look at you, you, you've had not one but two careers. And to have your child take you for show and tell, you know, I don't care if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, or if you're a fighter. If your kid respects you and loves you that much and is that proud of you to bring you in for show and tell, then that had to be one of the most special moments in the bad man's life. Absolutely, <laughs> the best, one of the best, the most, the most priceless moments I've uh, had in the sport. Having my, having my son on national TV, you know what I mean? At at 16 years old, Grace F O 17, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not very many people could say that. Uh, not many, very many people could say that. I don't know, man. From where I come from, Don, it's hard to explain, man. I didn't. I, I questioned myself, man. I got, I got, I think I got a little problems myself. I almost, uh, my close friends know, but I almost feel like sometimes I don't deserve. I don't. Let me see. Let's find the right words. Maybe I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. Sometimes I feel like I never deserve to be where I'm at from where I came from. I never. It's it's just weird, man. It's hard to explain, I guess. Um, I I understand you, bro. You know personally. Uh, you know, most of the people that listen to me on, on air know that 
I was, you know, I'm from Sacramento. I, I was born in the projects over there off of Broadway and lived on CV Circle and, you know, and didn't have the most fantastic, rich childhood. And, you know, could I look at myself and say I didn't deserve to be, in, you know, where I'm at or have made the impact that I have on the sport today? Yeah, I, I could say that. But you know what? Brother, you deserved everything that you've had in both of your careers. You deserved everything that you have gained and earned and, and learned in this sport. And to share it with others is, is a blessing I've always felt. And, you know, I truly admire you for coming on the show and opening up and showing people who, who Dave the Badman Huckabee really is and just letting us get a, a different insight into your true heart. Don't ever feel that you're you're less deserving than another because of where you come from. Because, you know what, my friend, your heart speaks very loud, and you deserved everything that you've gotten in your career. And you gained a friend in me and my respect, and that may not mean anything to you. It may. I, I don't know. But you know what? I do know one thing. I will take away from this interview the love and the respect that you have for the sport, but not only the sport, but for your family, your friends, and the people around you and the people that got you there. If you had to make one statement, Dave, about life in general or your life in the cage, what would that statement be, my friend? What would that be? Man, just... I think... I uh, told you we go deep, bro. (laughs) Yeah, um, you got my gears turning, man. I just there's so much, there's so many things, and, and there's so many things going. There's so much shit going through my head right now, man. Because I think about my kid, my son, right now, my daughter, the first couple fights, and I just right now that we're having this interview, I'm babbling again. But just my whole career right now is just flashing like fight by fight through my mind. You know what I mean? Like a, it's like a, it's like a little uh, circus board. What would I say? I guess. Believe in yourself, man. Human beings, man. Sometimes we doubt ourselves, and I think that that's uh, that's we are our own worst enemy, man. I think that we, uh, as fighters, as a human being, as fathers, as mothers, as people, we have to believe in ourselves, man. We have to know that each and every one of us is here for a reason, bro. And we just can never stop until we find that reason, you know. I could be here to impact your life in a positive manner. You could, I could be here to impact your life in a negative manner. I could be a lesson for you. I could, you know, we don't know. We don't know this journey. I just think that, uh, I think us as human beings have to realize that uh, that we're here for a reason, man. It doesn't, you know what I mean? You're here for a reason. Every day is what you make it, man. Let's let's make the best of everything. And the worst situation, you know, that's what I taught my son from day one. I tell my son, man, I said, uh, I said, hey, big dog, your uh, your attitude can nearly change the situation that you're in, son. You know, you get up in the morning and you and you stub your toe. You know, ah, son of a bitch, it's gonna be one of those days. Well, guess what, bro? It's gonna be one of those days. Now. Get up and stub your toe. Ooh, man, I'm hurt. I ain't going to let that fucker slow me down. I'm going to go out and kick some ass. Trust me, you just changed your whole outlook of the day. You know what I mean? I hope that makes sense, man. Almost oh, definitely. It it truly did. You know, my brother, it's, it's truly been an honor to have you on our show this evening, to have you share a little bit of your life and, and who you are and what, what you're about with our listeners. 
Uh, at this point in time, what we usually like to do is hand the microphone over to you, let you give your uh, sponsors a shout-out, your friends, your family, your social media sites. But before I let you do that, I wanted to say one thing. You know, congratulations on, on the Beast Fuel can. Uh, I think it was something that well, was well-deserved for you. And I, I hope it turns out to be a great endeavor for the bad man. But, my friend, the microphone is yours. Yeah, that's a that's a big ups, man. I want to thank James Hardman for that. That was huge, man. Uh, again, here I am, 42 years old, slapped on an energy drink, man. I got everybody local thinking I'm a superstar. <laughs> that shit ain't for me, bro. But, I mean, it's cool. I love it. You know what I mean? But uh, I, <laughs> um, a big ups to, to to the fans, man. Uh, you guys, without you guys, man, I don't think none of us would do this. I mean. Um, when I'm out with dinner with my family and I see somebody look across the table and I can tell, I know, I'm like, oh, babe, they're going to they're gonna come talk to me. And she starts laughing. My wife knows. She's, when you, when you, when I'm sitting down at a restaurant and somebody comes over and they're like, excuse me, are you, are you, are you Dave Huckabee? I'll be like, yes, sir, I am. Oh, my God, you're a badass. Those moments are priceless, bro. I thank everybody for, I thank just the fans. I thank the friends for, for supporting me. Um, my grandma. I want to thank my grandma for my grandma for being for letting me know from day one that I was something special. Letting me know that uh, I did have what it takes to be, you know, what I am as a fighter. Not only that, as a father, because I take pride in being a father more than anything in life. You know what I mean? Uh, that was uh, that's my best gift, my biggest accomplishment ever in life is being the dad that I could be today to my kids. I want to say big ups, man, to. Uh, Beast Fuel, big ups to Benford's Custom Cycles. Um, big ups to you guys, man, taking the time to put my crazy ass on this radio. <laughs> Good looking out, fellas, man. Uh, what a great interview, man. You guys are awesome, man. Thank you very much. And uh, my wife, my wife, number one, my wife, man, for, for, for being her, for, for, for being my backbone, for helping me get where, where, where I am, for being there for me. She's, she's the, the rock, man. Most definitely, you know, brother. We we truly are humbled by your, your your presence this evening, and it really meant a lot. And we look forward to having you on again in the near and distant future. And we wish you the best of luck, my brother. It truly was an honor. Thank you, guys, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. And God bless, bro. Bye bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave the Badman Huckabee. Uh, David, truly profound interview. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I love how grounded he stayed and how thankful he stayed. And, you know, like from humble beginnings to knocking out Ray Seifo, who's a legend in the sport. If you don't know who Ray Seifo is, you need to do your research. And Dave Huckbug literally knocked him out. And Ray Seifo is a, is a legend. And Dave Huckbug is, is absolutely one of the most remarkable guys. And I love talking to him, especially about him being a dad and he was getting emotional too. Like this, this means a lot to him. This sport means a lot to him. Being a father means a lot to him. Life in general means a lot to him. And it was so inspiring to talk to him. And, you know, he's, he's a that's a full of knowledge about the game, but not just that he's a man. And as a man, he's doing quite well for himself. I would have to say he's got life figured out. Oh, most definitely. And his interview left a, thought in my mind of, of family and love and you know it, it truly is an honor to have that, that gentleman come on the show and and speak like that it's 
it's what we're about and, and what we stand for and what we try to do on our, our platform. And our next guest is going to be truly just as humbling. And he's one that I, at my old age of 50, truly he has left, wow, a wow statement on me. I mean, this gentleman is not only a talented warrior in the UFC, but he's also a very, very lucrative entrepreneur. And it just, listen to his fighters, and he's just a tremendous attribute to everybody and all. Absolutely. And should we call this gentleman in, or should we actually... Yes, sir. Yes, I told him we would call him. My bad. Okay, not a problem. Let's call Mr. Cross, UFC veteran, and uh, he runs a very, very good fight camp, which you heard from one of the guys, super, super duper Bobby Cooper. You know, that's you know that's a testament to his training. And James Cross is uh, he's one in a million. The number you are calling is temporarily unavailable. Wow. Please try later. Let me try this again. My apologies. Oh boy, Don. <laughs> Uh, you go ahead and, and, and talk for a minute, and now I'll, I'll clear this up real quick. All right, let me uh, talk and convey my thoughts. I think that Beast Fuel Energy Drink is one of the most delicious drinks, and you should buy one with one of your favorite fighters on it. You can get Nate Diaz, Cheap Pug, and you can also get Dave Huckabaugh on that. Um, and it's also great. Um, it'll keep you boosted all throughout the day, and it's ran by a fantastic individual. So if you like... Go to Beastful Energy Drink and buy one for yourself. And also, big shout-out to our homeboys over at Cycle Gear for making the best gear in all the land. And even though I run a company myself, I can't wait to sell his gear because it's top-notch stuff and great design. And and then by a nice gentleman, too. And, you know, there's so many brands that I want to give a shout-out to that are so amazing that help make this show the way it is and also give a platform for me and Don to actually convey our thoughts about the sport. So look at all of our sponsors, and please give them some love while you're at it. Add their brands. Like them on Facebook. Buy a few. You know, support the sport. Support our brands. Support our show. Because, God love it, we are talking about our favorite sport. Oops, and I very much for that. Yep. Don's yeah, back. Um... Actually, give me one minute now. I will have everything taken care of. I apologize to everybody again. I will take blame for this one. This one is my fault. Oh, Don, stop it. Don's being silly, ladies and gentlemen. Don does so much, and he also uh, this podcast and does a lot of the legwork, too. My job is uh, his henchman to text them and make sure that they're here at the appropriate times. However, sometimes things screw up. You know, it happens. Big deal. Now, what we'll do while we're waiting... <laughs> While we're waiting, is we'll actually two or three. Don, are you busy right now, or do you want me to speak? Uh, speak um, I'm inboxing you the number, bro. Okay, inboxing me the number. Well, Don's still at heart at work, making this show runs as smoothly as humanly possible, and that's why we love Don. I love Don. Oh, uh, thank you, brother. Reason. I'm screwing up tonight, and I apologize. I I went off an old number that I had, uh, as I I see Kraus just about every other week, so I didn't bother to get an updated number and that's something that I'll take the blame for full heartedly but you know we just try our best to to bring you the best fighters week in and week out and you know some people don't realize that for a two-hour show it it takes up to 25 hours of work to yeah. you know on both of our parts to get where we need to be and why don't we go ahead and 
try to give Mr. Krause a phone call. And in the meantime, you stop being wonderful because you are a wonderful individual. <laughs> so stop taking blame for yourself. Let's give Mr. James Krause a call. Boo-boo-boo. And thank you, Super Duper, for giving me that. I appreciate it, bro. <laughs> well done, Don. This is James. Hey, James, this is Don McGuire. I apologize for calling just a little bit late. We're running a little behind. I, I had your old phone number, so I truly apologize for that, sir. Uh, James, looking at what you've done in the cage and looking at what you do for people every day in, in life at your gym, what truly led James Krause to perpetuate not just the sport, not just life, but a family value on those that surround him. I wish I had a good answer for that. I think I just kind of came into it by accident, um, you know, and I, I think I fell in love with it, and I never really, you know, I never really went away after that. Uh, you know, like I said, I really don't have a great answer for you. I just, I, like I said, I think, I think it's something I enjoy helping other people. I enjoy martial arts, and... uh yeah, I mean, it's just something I really, really love waking up to do. You know, now, I've I've had many opportunities to be in your gym and many opportunities to watch you train. What you what you teach other individuals in life is, is astounding, and I think it's the wave of the future, your style. You know, looking at your career in the octagon, it's it's quite impressive, you know, and I truly have always admired the fighting ability that you have, and the style that you bring to the octagon, but what I, what's always left me to amaze, James, and you're probably going to get a little chuckle out of this because I like to take you sideways, but how do you stay so good looking, to where you <laughs> could be catwalk ready, and have so many fights as as a warrior, and and still look so pretty? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, Come on, James. Genetics, <laughs> genetics I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always try to, I always try to, my appearance, I think it's important to, you know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction, so I feel like if you look good, feel good, perform good, you know, all that good stuff, good things come. So, uh, I try to, try to do that best I can. Well, come Very on, cool. what I was getting at, James, is, I'm sorry, David, what I was kind of getting at is, you you don't like to be hit, and, you know, your record proves that. I mean, you're, you're a banging warrior, and, and I truly respect you for what you do in the cage, but you're a smart warrior. And, and that's the kind of the angle I was, I was trying to go. You know, looking at your, at your career as a fighter, you truly have been very smart in the octagon, and it, it's left you intact. And what would you, would, would you say has allowed you to stay so perfect in what you do and, and, and not get beat up and... And look so, you know, horrid like some fighters do after as many fights as you've had, sir. Well, I when I fight, I try to stay really long. Um, you know, I, I try to fight long. I try not to get hit, obviously. Uh, you know, I think those are just two important things because I, I feel like that, you know, not just with just phys- physically getting hit, but I feel like just with, like, in the judges – in the judge's eyes, you know, anytime you get hit, it's kind of like a point, I guess. So Very cool. I really try to turn it into like a point, you know, where it's if I hit him more than he hits me, you know, I feel like I win the fight. So it's uh, that's just kind of my philosophy, I guess. You know, I really teach. I like a long style. 
not getting hit, you know, the sweet science where I'm, I'm, I'm punching first and I'm not getting hit much after. It's just, I really want to have my brain cells whenever I'm done fighting and I want to be able to, you know, business stuff like that. So I don't, I just try not to get hit. You know, it's part of my, I would rather, uh, you know, slip on and not get hit than sit in the pocket and trade. I mean, you'll just never see me in the pocket trading punches. I just don't do it. Very cool. And um, you're coming off of two-fight win streak. And by the way, James, pleasure talking to you, and brother. It's it's an honor. Um, you're coming off a two-fight win streak, taking a break for a little bit, taking care of family like any commendable human being, and running your gym, getting these guys fight-ready like super-duper Bobby Cooper. And uh, a lot has transpired in the sport of mixed martial arts. And, of course, UFC, your current promotion. Uh, last event was actually at UFC 203, UFC 202. It's just been a good – it's never been a better time to be a UFC fan. While you're sitting down right now and reflecting on the UFC itself and the brand, what what would you have to say is the biggest takeaways of the sport while you can actually sit back and enjoy the sport as a fan? Uh, I mean, I think it's going through a phase to where there's a lot of fighters not happy right now because it's kind of transitioning from more of the, the fight world to the sports entertainment world, and I'm okay with that. Uh I'm I'm really okay with that. I mean, honestly, I am. I think it's I think it's good for the sport. I think anytime somebody can come in and and like CM Punk, you know, although you know I have mixed reviews or I have mixed opinions on that whole ordeal, but I mean, anytime somebody can come in and make different different money from you know something that nobody has ever done before, like I like seeing that stuff. It's just creating more options for the rest of us, you know. And I really appreciate that. You know, I really appreciate the entrepreneurial side of of. Uh, you know, the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love to see him punk fight because now we got to be introduced to Mickey Gull, who's a proficient brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and also a very good fighter and a young kid. And it's actually giving more opportunities for young kids like Mickey Gull. I'm, I'm a big fan of Mickey Gull now, and I can't wait for him to fight Super Sage. Um, so you're, you're, you're working on a lot of things and everything like that. Is there a time frame? Because I'd love to see you come back. I'm a big fan. And more importantly that I actually talk to you and talking to you right now. I'm a big fan of everything you, you've accomplished in the sport. Is there a time frame right now you can see yourself coming back? And do you feel that you're going to add something else of more of the entertainment value, of more of the – are you going to stray away from what's worked for you and previously? Are you going to touch up on a couple of things? What, what, is there a time frame you're going to come back? And if so, what do you plan to do or what you, you have working on while you're waiting for your comeback fight? Um, I mean, I've, I've really, I've asked for fights. So, I mean, like I'm ready to come back now. I've asked for a fight, uh, already and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come back. I'd like to fight before, uh, Thanksgiving. So, you know, I can spend the holidays with my family, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm still in the gym every day. You can ask Don when he comes through, I'm always training, you know, just because I'm not fighting doesn't mean I'm, you know, I'm not just sitting out, I'm not, not just sitting on the sidelines. I'm still training. I'm getting better every single day. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm working on new things and working on old things, refining what I'm good at, uh, you know, adding new tricks. So, you know, we'll see in, in terms of, in terms of sports entertainment or, or fighting, you know, I'm down to do either. I, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy both of them and I don't mind doing either one of them. I can't really, I'm not in a position to do anything right now because, you know, pulling out of my last fight, it just really doesn't, uh, I can't really say anything. You know what I mean? Like you can't pull out a fight and then, and then talk shit. It doesn't really work like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't anyway, James. But that's just the way you are. But yeah, you know, I kind of want to touch on on James right now, James out of the octagon. What for the past six months, I, I've truly have spoke of 
three gyms in this in this country that we live in, and one being Body Shop MMA, the other being MMA Gold, and the other being your gym, uh, Glory MMA and Fitness and Lee Summit and, and Northland. How does it feel to be a professor, knowing that your knowledge is being truly absorbed by your students? Because it's being proven time and time again over several events, all of your fighters are proving to be victorious. They're proving to to learn from you and gain knowledge from you. How does that make you feel as a professor, knowing what you instill in individuals is helping them in life and it's working? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean that's the whole goal, really. Is is I feel like you have to have a why for what you do. You know, people don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. So I feel like that's kind of my why. You know, I feel like that's that's why I've had recent success. Is you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to help people. Uh, acquire their dreams and accomplish all their goals just like I'm trying to do. So I feel like if if I reach out to help those people, I feel like I will get that back tenfold. So, I mean, that's really the whole goal is, and, and I feel really good about it. Uh, you know, a lot of guys leave their home gym to go train at these other big gyms, and I feel like with that, they just kind of get thrown in the mix and they become another, just another body. And uh, there's good things about those places, and I also think there's bad things. So, I jump around a little bit. I usually go out to Denver to Factory X more time for my fights, you know, and I feel like they have a solid team out there. They care about me and they care about my career. And I uh, really love the, the coach out there, uh, Mark Montoya. So it's like I said, it's just, it's really awesome to get to spread the knowledge every single day. And, and uh, I enjoy teaching, you know, not just fighting. I, not only do I enjoy competing, but I love teaching and I love, uh, I love training as well, so it's it's fun for me. I'm just living my dream every day, pretty much. Most definitely. Now, you kind of touched on that. You know, I I do know the camaraderie of the gym, and you know, I've I've been in many gyms across this United States, and you know, I truly do. You know, love to call Glory home. It it's it's such a family rapport. It's such a a fun place to be, and you know, where else can you go and find that much talent? under one roof it, it it truly blows my mind and one thing i i do want to touch on is you know there is camaraderie to the to the, in the sense that when there is sparring and, and one guy gets the other guy good you guys joke around with each other you have fun with it and i think that's what's changing the face of the of mma is through your teachings and it's left a profound impact on me as your fighters now, being just recently black belted a few months ago, as a professor, how does that feel to James Krause knowing that you've emulated your teachings to all of your students? Um, it's good. You know, I, like I said, I, I work hard for everything I get and I do, and uh, I've never really been naturally gifted at this. It's something I've had to work really hard at. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy not just I think I think what really gets me excited is whenever I can take somebody that is just they live life kind of like day to day and it's just like eh blah and then I really uh, I guess instill like the jujitsu lifestyle or the MMA lifestyle to where they have something that they really love going to and they have a place that they can call family and home you know what I mean it's more than just a gym I really enjoy that where where these people they take everything that we have to offer and they instill it as their own and uh that's what's awesome to me is whenever these people kind of surround yourselves and immerse themselves within our gym and they just make it part of their lifestyle. It's really awesome to see. Very cool. And you 
By the way, congratulations again on receiving your black belt. Uh, you go through the system, and anybody that doesn't know the system it takes to get a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, it takes years and years and years of just constantly perfecting the art form. And congratulations, by the way, and being able to distill it onto all of your uh, – instill it on all your students. That's, that's amazing stuff, man. And especially running your gym. And I just want to know, cause you, you know, we talked to super duper Bobby Cooper and you probably have like a group of talented individuals training at your gym right now. Is there anybody that anybody can look out for or anybody you can see that's going to be on the rise and someone to actually, cause your opinion is valid. Obviously you're in the UFC and you've done and accomplished so much. Is there anybody that we have to keep our eye out for? Anybody that the listeners wouldn't know about that is going to be on the rise and people that we have to see? I mean, yeah, I don't really know who – you guys probably know most of the guys out of our gym, but, I mean, like, you got Tonga. He's he's doing awesome things in Bellator right now. Uh, Megan Anderson, she's ranked top ten featherweight in, in women's MMA right now. She's knocking Bill's heads off. Yeah. She's, her striking is bananas. I mean, she's got – ridiculous power. The only other girl you see throwing power like Megan does is Cyborg. And, uh, you know, she's just pummeling people right now. Um, we got a kid named Grant Dawson who's 10-1. and one. He's just running through guys right now. Amazing, amazing fighter. Good uh, takedowns, good ground and pound. Uh, just pressure, pressure, pressure. He's insane. Uh, Bobby, obviously, is, is great. Got great kickboxing, good jab. One of the best jabs I've ever trained with. Um, Real durable guy, fun to train with. Um, we got this kid. He's still an amateur. He's about to probably do his last amateur fight. His name's Mike Breeden, and he is he is tough, man. He hangs in there. He's one of my best rounds in the gym. He trains with nothing but the pros in there, and he, like I said, he's probably one of the toughest toughest guys we have in the gym. And he's about to go pro, so he'll definitely be making some waves uh, early on. Uh, Trey Ogden is improving drastically jason witt is a beast as usual we have a lot of good guys man and and uh you know tim elliott obviously good lord what's he doing right now he's he's on the ultimate fighter um you know you guys will you guys will see how he does he's he is just an amazing amazing fighter uh you know hopefully we'll see him uh back in the usc soon he but he's pound for pound probably one of the best guys i've ever trained with uh, and there's just like I said, we're surrounded by just talented, talented guys that not only are talented but they work hard too, and that's really hard to find. So the tight knit group is not just full of talent, but it's full of people that that live that lifestyle. That you know they are fighters. Their their occupation is to train. Like what do you do? Well, I train. I fight. That's it. That's what they do. That's what they, they beat people up for a living. And that's hard to find. You know, people want to go work part-time jobs and stuff like that. And I get it. You got to pay the bills, but like you have to immerse yourself in this lifestyle. You have to obsess over it to really be successful at it. You know, I get people ask me all the time, like, Hey, do you think I can be a champion? I think anybody can be a champion. I mean, that's just the, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I, I think anybody can. So it's, it is what it is. You just have to obsess and immerse yourself within the lifestyle. Absolutely. And we're, we're pretty much the same age, man. So like our generations, we grind till we shine. And I'm a firm believer in that. Hard work always pays off at the end. And, uh, you know, whenever I watch a James Krause fight, I know I'm going to get high level grappling and I know I'm going to get a MMA lesson and you always add something to the table. Um, do you plan, cause I, I want to know this, uh, when you do come back, 
Do you plan on fighting back at lightweight, or do you plan on uh, welterweight? Is there is there a game plan for what division you plan on coming in, or is there anybody also that you can name that would be a good fight to come back to? I know you said that you don't really are in a position to call anybody out, but your ideal opponent for your, your next fight back. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those guys. I'm a weird I'm a weird guy in terms of weight class wise cuz like um right now I'm super super light, lighter than I've ever been. I'm still even practice low 180s. So I I mean, I guess I'm staying at lightweight right now, but I wouldn't be if they offered me a welterweight fight, I would not be opposed to taking it. I would I would probably take it, honestly. I mean, I don't I don't really, you know, it's I'm I'm it's a big weight cut to 55 for me and when I say 180 we're talking about after two hours of training and you know what I mean like I'm waking up 85 plus you know what I mean like that it's just it's a big cut for me and uh, like I said so 70 is not off the table uh, I asked for uh, Diego Sanchez in Mexico City is what I asked for and he's coming off a loss to Joe Zahn. Uh, so I doubt I'll get that, but like I like you know, Jim Miller, I'll take that fight too. He just fought Joe's on, beat Joe's on. I'm I would like that fight as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the lightweight division that I would love to fight. You know, I think you know you, you hit the first one on the head, Diego Sanchez. I think that would be a tremendous war for you, James. Is your style is is you know truly one that. I haven't seen very many times in this sport, and I've been in this sport most of my life. You know, I kind of want to touch a little bit back on, you know, a couple of the fighters that you, you threw out there. You know, matter of fact, the last time I was there, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with Megan Anderson. As you know, I was at Invicta 18 and, and watched that dominating victory. One thing that I would say that I truly admire about Megan Anderson is the respect that she gives to the other fighters the compassion that she showed to Peggy Morgan. And, you know, each and one, every one of your students, even Bobby Cooper this evening, gives that, that attribute to James Krause. You know, now, looking at the way you, you portray yourself in the gym and, and the way you, you handle yourself in the, in the octagon and in the business in general has truly left a profound impact on me. But one thing that kind of made me chuckle was, when Megan Anderson said, you can ask Don, the guys in here beat the crap out of me, just just like as if I was a guy. What was the scenario in your thought in, in training Megan with with you and the other greats in the gym when when you started building her career when she came to the United States? Well, hell, she's not much smaller than me. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's, she's six, six foot. Walks around 170. I mean, she ain't much smaller than me. You know what I mean? So the girl she's fighting, you know, if she can handle somebody like me or Cooper or Wit or any of those guys, you know, when she goes against somebody with I – mean, and this is for all the ladies listening right now, and this is no way, shape, or form a shot. But it's just – it is just the truth. Women's MMA is just behind men's MMA probably – I would say honestly 10 years, and that's not a sexist comment at all. It's just that men's MMA has been around – so much longer so the guys have had the opportunities that women haven't had so there's not a lot of technical women out there that are complete you know there's good grapplers that have done jiu-jitsu and there's good kickboxers that have done kickboxing but there's not a lot of good female mma fighters there's just not you know they're there don't get me wrong but there's just not a lot of good female fighters so when you get somebody like megan that hits like a truck 
you know, and and she's super technical. You know, I had a couple little twists here and there, and and it's easy. You know what I mean? It's you just you have to find what these people are good at, expose their weaknesses. That's the hard part. Is the people that that are really truly getting better aren't afraid to to expose their weaknesses. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to say, "Hey, I suck here. I need to get this better." I enjoy it because I I feel like that I've been around this game for a long time. Started in MMA. I didn't start in jiu-jitsu. I didn't start in kickboxing. I started in MMA. So I've seen a lot of scenarios and. When I say I started, let's say ten years ago. I mean, you know, let's just take myself versus random fighter A. Most of these other guys, you know, they say they've been training for ten years. They had they started training ten years ago. There's a difference between ten years ago and I've been training for ten years. I've been training twice a day a week for ten years straight. Rarely do I take any at all. A lot of these other guys take, you know, weeks, months off, you know, for whatever reason, and I'm away from the sport. I've been game 10 years, but probably trained as much as somebody for 20 years. You know what I mean? It's just, so I've seen a lot of these scenarios, so I'm just good at finding what makes people tick, you know, what what they're not and, and inside their head and making them believe that you know they because I firmly believe and you know you just <clears throat> gotta find what makes these people what makes them tick and that's we do that from a different perspective you know we we defensive side too you know what gets these people going gets their opponents going and you you kind of hit that button a little bit and it's it's good you know you just if you can get inside somebody's head good or bad it's a great thing it really is it rattles them and makes them think about what they're doing. And I want people I want people to question, you know, that crossroads. Like, I have a decision to make. You know, do I want to go on to something or do I want to keep doing this? Whenever they make that decision, hey, I really want to do this. I want to make this my lifestyle. Man, it's only up from there. You know what I mean? When you, when you run into somebody that has completely sacrificed everything, when, you, when you're about to step across the cage and fight somebody that has completely sacrificed everything to be there where they are, they dangerous person. That's a super dangerous person to fight. Where they sacrifice money, time, friendships, relationships, everything to be right there to fight somebody else. That's dangerous. Definitely. And you know what I kinda wanna touch on uh kind of what you said you, you were very respectful. You said, you know, women take this as a shot. It's not a shot. If you me and, and James and anybody that's had many, many years in the MMA is, for men, is truly still in its infancy. So if, you know, everybody totes that it's still in its infancy, then what is it for the women in, their, in the WMMA aspect? It's truly in the beginning. So, you know, James, the statement was, was quite eloquent, and it couldn't have been more spot on. And, you know, I, I just I just wanted to reiterate that to the listeners because it wasn't a, a shot, you know, because men's MMA is truly, in my opinion, in its infancy. So, you know, the women are just getting started, you know, and it truly does mean something to me when it's, whether man or woman, just to see a true warrior get in the cage and, and prove what they've, they've done. They've worked so hard for to get and, and prove what they, they have entitled themselves to to learn and be given, I guess, is the best thought. But, James, 
on the final note of this, this interview, looking at everything that you've been through as a fighter, looking at everything that you've been through as a professor, what would that one statement be that you, you want to make to somebody deciding to get into the business? What would that statement be, sir? When you say get into the business, do you mean to to make this their hobby, their profession, or do you mean to become a hobbyist and immerse themselves in a lifestyle of martial arts? To immerse themselves in a, a lifestyle of martial arts. Yes, there is a difference. To become, Let's say to become a, the next James Krause. Well, <laughs> this, I mean, this, I, I started in a different time, and and it's it's just not the same as what it was before. I mean, you got... I agree. Now... Now is is like I said, it's a different, it's a different era. You the, the guys that were good when I started fighting were the were the fighters, were the were the poor kids that had been fighting their whole life, and they were better because they had been in more fights and they were more experienced in street fights than the next guy. You know, there wasn't any jujitsu. If you had to wrestle, good lord, you were you had an awesome advantage right there. But I think in terms of, I'll answer both. If you want to become the next world champion, I mean that's that's a serious that's a serious mountain to climb because you, you don't have fighters joining the sport now. You have athletes, guys that can play in the NFL, the NBA, and they're deciding to join an MMA now. You know, it's not just a game of of fighters anymore. It's a game of athletes now, and 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 it's you have to it has to be all or nothing. It has to be all or nothing now. There's people that are, I mean, some of these guys are, you know, moving overseas and never seen their families ever again to sacrifice the chance of stardom. You know what I mean? So you really have to, you really have to, you have to think about, you know, what's going on. You step on those mats, you better be ready to get better every single day, and you better be willing to do anything it takes to get one percent better every day. You know, it's so. I mean, if you're, there's a lot of people that. I talk to talk, but there's very few that walk the walk. So uh, in terms of uh, somebody's on the fence about joining like a martial arts program, so like a Muay Thai program or a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program, I think that martial arts is one of the best things that can happen to anybody. And here's why. You get so many different things. I'm just going to, I'm going to put this on the table and then I'm going to push it right to the side. You sign up to learn triangles and arm bars you know, jabs and crosses, right? Let's push that to the side now. Whenever you get involved, what, here are the things that you don't realize what you get. You, and this is, once again, this is if you immerse yourself within this. You have to, you have to, uh, I guess, throw yourself into the fire of, you know, this is not, not in terms of commitment, but in terms of like, hey, I want to do this. This is fun. Okay, so you get a sense of camaraderie. You get another family with this. Any any good program is going to feel like a family as soon as you walk through the door. It's going to feel like you feel at home there. And if you don't feel that way, you're in the wrong place, right? You're going to have other people with similar goals as you, whether your goal is self-defense, uh, competition, um, weight loss. Whatever your goal is, you're going to have a lot more people there with the same exact goals and aspirations as you are. And that's inspiring to 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 train alongside somebody that has the same goals as you. Um, you're going to get life skills. You're going to get more confidence in yourself. You're going to get more discipline, and you're going to respect people better, more, right? It's, it's, once you've been in a fight, and whether 
it's a jiu-jitsu fight, MMA fight, whatever. When you're in one of those gyms, you're going to get into a fight of some sort. You know, when I say fight, I, I do the quotations thing because you're going to have to be through that grind. You're going to have to go through that gritty, grimy moment, and you're going to learn a lot about yourself and a lot about your friends. And, man, whenever you can take yourself to a place that's uncomfortable and you really get to see, you can take a step back from yourself and you get to look at yourself from a different lens and you get, I mean, just imagine a situation where you didn't like yourself. So you could, you had the ability to remove yourself from a different lens and make changes to it. That's what it's like, you know, cause you're really, once you're in that fight, man, once you're in that gritty, that grimy, that, that place where nobody wants to be, you're able to take yourself and you find out a lot about yourself, you know, how much heart you have, how much fight you have in you, you know, how much quit you have in you. And you're able to make changes of that. Maybe make changes that you would have never admitted to before. And that is such a powerful thing, far more powerful than arm bars and triangles and, and ones and twos, in my opinion. Most definitely. Well, James, we truly are honored that you came on our show and expressed so much knowledge and we truly respect you for, for you, who you are as a professor, as a fighter, and just a person in general. At, at the top of the hour, James, you know how it usually goes. We hand you the mic if there's any sponsors, friends, family, social media sites, professor, that you'd like to give a shout-out to. The floor is yours. Um, yeah, just follow me on all all social media, the James Krause, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I don't really have anybody to thank you guys for, for having me on. I appreciate it, son. Oh, Anytime, Professor, as you truly have made a profound impact in my life, and thank you so much, sir. No problem. Thank you, guys. God bless. You have a good evening, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the James Krause. Uh, truly an inspirational man in my life, and I think we need to move on to our next guest, though, because I am putting us so far behind tonight. It's all good, and I can't wait to talk to this guy, too, because he's he's getting ready to fight for King of the Cage. I can't wait to talk to him. So, Don, do the introduction, please. Oh, ladies and gentlemen from town, a truly profound fighter that's making a huge impact on this sport today, Mr. Benito Lopez. How you doing, sir? Yeah, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, apologize. We're running a little bit behind. I, I kind of screwed up, and had an old phone number, but that's what I get for thinking I know it all. You know, <laughs> no looking problem. to your upcoming event, Benito, what, if anything, has this instilled in you going into King of the Cage? Son? Well, um, I don't know. The fact that it's in my hometown is uh, really motivating, and the fact that my opponent's 4-0 and he's also undefeated is really motivating. It's driving me more than ever. And just uh, my coaches and team are pushing me more than ever. You know, they expect me uh, to go in there and do great things. And in practice, they're pushing me to limits, you know, that I've never really been pushed to before. Now, I kind of want to touch on something a little bit different from fighting because David will jump on fighting real quick and that's what makes us a good (laughs) tag team. You know, I seen a picture the other day of you Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you're, you're quite an entertainer when it comes to that aspect of your life. No, yeah, definitely. Um, like uh, the fighting, the right? Yeah, I've seen you with a microphone. Uh, kind of explain that to our, our listeners. 
the the other avenue that Benito Lopez has going on in his world. Well, I mean, other than fighting, honestly, uh, not too much. I just got my first job ever. <laughs> like, I really don't do too much besides training. Like, I moved from my hometown of uh, Oroville, California, to Sacramento to train full-time, and my girlfriend moved out here with me to support me. And she's going to school and uh, work, you know, and I'm working and training. It's all I do, really, so it's pretty much my life. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, Benito, what I was talking about real quickly, and I apologize, David, what I was talking about real quickly was the picture of you with a microphone. Uh, basically, it looked like you were you were putting on a a rap concert or something in, in your post, and it, it, it caught me, you know, in a unique, unique way, seeing that you really are different in all aspects of the sport. Yeah, um, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, rap contest, I'm not sure. I think uh, what you're referring to maybe is um, we did a little event before our last fight, and me and my boy Tyler Diamond and one of our sponsors, uh, Ben Hatch with DYKYD, we actually had a bunch of local talent in my hometown in Orville and had a bunch of uh, really talented uh, singers, rappers, just all of the above there, and they were performing. And we were selling our gear and selling tickets and you know promoting the fight and taking pictures and photographs with people. But I definitely can't <laughs> rap or sing. Hi, <laughs> <So>. Benito. <laughs> hey, Benito. Sorry, I screwed up your name. By the way, all the all the cool names, my autocorrect will automatically screw up. So I apologize about that. I mean, my name's David. Oh, doesn't dude, get no any lamer. Yeah, my name's David Potter. It doesn't get lamer than that. And my no relation to Harry, by the way. But it's an <laughs> honor to talk to you, my friend. And so young in your career too. Twenty-two years old. And I, I was laughing. I was giggling to myself because your last fight lasted about eight seconds and you knocked out Rick James, which if you don't know the Dave Chappelle skit, I was laughing like I'm Rick James. So, like, I was laughing about that. <laughs> by, the, by the way, you're, you're undefeated and you have a highlight reel of great wins behind you. And you're so young in the sport. Like, can you just give us a reflection of how you feel – thus far starting your career and where you're at right now, knocking out cats in eight seconds and already progressing so far into the game. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, to be honest, it's still kind of surreal to me, you know, when, um, when people ask me for an autograph or a picture, you know, they want my clothes, it's still kind of surreal to me. Like, I'm like, why do you want my stuff? You know, I'm just a normal dude. Like I don't feel any different than anyone. Uh, and I don't want that to ever change. You know, I want to treat, uh, someone who's O&O is an amateur the same as I'm going to treat someone who's in the UFC, you know, and I think that's how it should be. I don't think, um, I, I don't really want to have a big ego in this. I want to treat everyone the same and be good. And um, to be honest, yeah, it's still really surreal to me. It, it, I don't really know how to explain it. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. And you deserve everything that you're getting right now, and you won titles, and you've accomplished so much, and you remain so grounded and humble. Uh, so who do you train with? by the way, because it's got to be a reflection of your teachers. Uh, so who do you train with, and who have you been learning from that's been teaching you the most and being the most impactful on your already very, very successful career? Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Well, over the years, I've had a lot of different coaches, but I've made my home at Team Elfmill now, and uh, it's one of the best teams I've ever been on. It is the best team I've been on. You know, It's the highest level. Everything is so organized. Um, you have to come in and sign in. You know what I mean? Like, well, they're keeping role there, and uh it's the most high level high level camp I've ever been to, and I can't say specifically one coach because honestly I've learned so much from each and every one of them. They all put their heart and soul into training. And on top of that, I have like 
dude, like 30 to 40 guys on the mat who are all chasing the same dream as me, and they're all just as hungry as me, and a bunch of them are undefeated too, and they're they're well-respected where they come from, and you'll be seeing all them in the UFC too. So there's not anyone in particular because everyone in there, we all push each other, you know, so. Most definitely. Now, Benito, I, I've been out to town quite a few times, and Uriah and I go way back. You know, we go, God, we go quite a ways back. Would you say that Uriah's humility and integrity is has kind of rubbed off on you and maintaining your reserve, being that you are undefeated and, you know, you, you have had some devastating wins. Uh, would you say that he has helped you in regards of maintaining who you are and, and winning with humility? Would you say Uriah has played a big part of that, son? Dude, 110% he has. Um, we've had some talks one-on-one, you know, where he's really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, numerous times, you know, and one of them is just being more consistent. I've had a, I kind of, in my past, you know, I have a, a track record of after my fights gaining like 20 pounds, getting out of shape and getting bad, but uh, over here you can't really do that. You know, I have in the beginning, you know, starting when you really can't. So um, my last fight, I really didn't get too far out of shape, you know. The only reason why I did get out of shape whatsoever was because I got a concussion by one of our hard hitters in the gym, uh, no love. Everyone knows that guy hits like a truck. <laughs> it was during boxing sparring. But uh, Uriah, every day, after every practice, he'll give, like, a motivational speech, you know, and um, just the words he says, you'll you'll hear him play over in your head throughout the day, you know, and while you're sitting there, you know, playing a video game or doing this and that, like, it, his words will play in your head, and you're like, you shouldn't be playing this video game. You should be, you know, meal prepping or stretching or be in the gym, you know, like, or another big thing he always said is, uh, what are you celebrating after your fight? Are you celebrating, you know, this win? Is that, what, is that your goal? Is this the regional win, you know? He's like, or do you want to be in the UFC? You know, do you want to be a champion? He's like, what are you celebrating? So every time I think about that, it, it's just, uh, it, it really sticks to me, you know? And um, he's, he's talked to me about plenty of other things. And he's definitely a big part of my motivation every day. And uh, part of changing me more into a man and more being reliable and being in the gym every day, you know? You know, very well said because you, you speak right on when you speak about Uriah and that's one thing that I, I fell in love with him you know when I was there on shoots you know and I'd turn around to go to leave when they were having the meeting at the end of the training session Uriah would say where, where do you think you're going you know and have me sit down as part of the team as part of the family and it's something that has always resonated in my heart but one thing I want to touch on Benito is your character you know you're a very, very humble kid. You have great, you know, a great rapport with the sport and and your fans. But what is it that leads you to to have that comical side of you? You know, such as the black and blonde hair. You know, the the the. I guess it would be the the fun you like to have when you're not training and in the gym. It it resonates in life. You know. What What is the purpose behind the hair, and what, what makes you have so much fun in, in who you are? Um, well, the hair, actually, um, the way that started, I was, like, 14, and I was at a jiu-jitsu tournament, and I seen this guy who had it, and he was uh, he just looked so cool to me. You know, I seen the hair, and I was like, man, I got to try that. And uh, that's really how it started ever ever since I was 14 after that, and I did jiu-jitsu competitions or a boxing match or 
or like anything until I was 18 and get a fight, I would always bleach my hair half blonde. And actually, um, one of my buddies, Brandon Waltz, did too. And Jason Paul did for his first fight, but he doesn't anymore. So that's where that comes from. And uh, just having fun outside of the the gym, I just try to live in the moment, you know, and enjoy things because I think um, I've I started to realize over the years that time really does fly, you know. Like I've like the Facebook post will come up and be like oh, this was three years ago, two years ago, all these memories. I'm like, man, I wish I would have embraced that a little more, you know, been more in the moment, not so in my head. Right. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt that you're one bad mofo. I mean, win after win after win, and, you know, it's all in devastating fashion. And, of course, you have great people behind you, and you're only 22. I mean, you, you got a ways to go in your career, and you got plenty of fights left in you. Is the main primary goal – to get to UFC, to get to Bellator, what what do you have? What what's your motivation, and what promotion do you want to land in? What do you want to accomplish in the future? Yeah, thank you, man. Um, my goal, literally, since I was 12 years old, when I first started boxing, when I was first started boxing, it was to be the boxing world champion, and then when I got into MMA and started watching UFC, it was to be the UFC champion. So at a young age, you know, and I visualized it, and I've seen it in my head. And me and my little brothers, even when I was younger, we'd be smacking each other around the living room, pretending we're like BJ Penn or this guy fighting each other. And I would always kind of have that visualization, and I still do till this day. I want to be a world champion in the UFC, for sure. Nothing uh, less than that. And um, yeah, that's pretty much my goal in the sport is to just be a reigning champion someday. And I just I got to put in the work, you know. I have one yeah, of the best teams in the world. And oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about it, man. And, like, you grew up the same way I did, where I was a boxing fan, and then UFC kind of fell on my lap. And I remember the Mike Tysons and Prince Nassim Hamed's of the world. And, you know, of course, all the, the great Mexican fighters and, like, all these guys I used to follow. And then, of course, going to UFC, always was a fan of Kajuchi Sakuraba and fan of uh, the Randy Couture's and Ryan Faber, too. Very high on the list. Uh, who are your biggest influences, and who are the guys in both boxing and mixed martial arts that you watch and you say, man, this is, I want to be exactly like these cats. Who are the guys? Uh, for boxing, since I was young, it was uh, always Muhammad Ali. I love Muhammad Ali. Uh, I don't know. It's just a Muhammad Ali or, or you know, like I'm sure a lot of people uh, would say the same thing. And uh, for MMA, I've had a few over the years, but um, – a guy who I've always resonated with and always try to kind of mimic. And I've actually went out to their camps and trained when I was 19 and 20 with John Jones because he's a long, rangy fighter. And I like, I like flashy things, and he throws flashy things, you know. And, um, he just uses his range really well, and every time he fights, he seems to bring something new, and he's always exciting. So he was one of them. And uh, growing up, Anthony Pettis and Jose Aldo, I would try to mimic those guys a lot. And, the Diaz brothers. I've always liked strikers. I always liked, uh, you know, exciting strikers. and Yeah, so the, those are the guys who I try to mimic my style like. But look up to wise, I mean, there's so many guys in, in the UFC I've looked up to, and Uriah being one of them because he's paved the way from Sacramento, and that's not far from my hometown of Oracle, you know, and that was – it just shows you that, you know, the possibilities out there. And he was so close, you know. So I always kind of envisioned myself being at Team Alpha Mall growing up as a kid and a teenager. You know, Benino, I'm, I'm going to take things a little bit sideways because I'm a little bit different. You know, when you look at your life as a whole, what moment was your greatest takeaway from life in general and life in the cage, son? Hmm. It's kind of hard to say. Um, 
there's been so many great moments. But uh, to be 100% honest, it, it's kind of crazy to say this because, you know, my pro debut was in Bellator and you think that would be it. But uh, I would honestly have to say one of the, the mo- biggest moments of my life was my third amateur fight. It was my first championship fight. And at the time, that was the biggest thing in the world to me, you know. That was, like, everything. <laughs> and uh, I remember I went in there and I ended up catching the dude in 12 seconds and uh, TKOing him. And um, it was the first time I ever heard the crowd do it. They started chanting my name, my full name. And I was, like, gave me chills on my spine. And I just remember right when I climbed out of the, the cage and I had my belt, I went and I wrapped it around my grandma and I told her, this is for you. You know, all these years I put in, this is for you, grandma, and I showed her. You know, I wanted to make her proud, you know, because uh, there's uh, been some ups and downs in my family, you know, we're kind of a rougher family. And uh, I just wanted to make her proud and show her she raised a, a good man, you know. And all that work I put in since I was 12 is paying off, and I wanted her to know it, you know, because she questioned me at times. She didn't want me to box, I'd come home with bloody noses, and she'd be like, Mijo, I don't want you to do this, you know, dude, play basketball, go to school, you know, but I I was always really passionate about this, and believed in myself. You know, that's that's very good, you know, and uh, very much appreciated, yes, you answered me in such a fashion, I have one more question, then I'm going to toss it off to David real quick, Um, Benito, if you look at family, and and you look at life, and and everything, what would you say continues to make you strive each and every day on the mats, in the gym, or even at, you know, on a fight night? What what makes you continue to want to be the best in the world? Well, um, honestly, since, since the beginning, it's always had to be my grandma making her proud and, and giving her things. You know, I wanted to... Uh, to make her life a lot easier because she took me and my brothers and sisters like uh, out of foster care when we were younger and she didn't, she already raised 15 kids at that time. Sounds crazy, but yeah, we have a huge family. And uh, so she's done a lot and I've always wanted to repay her and be that one person, you know, to give her back to where she doesn't have to pay bills, you know, she'll have a car, she don't have to worry about anything. So that's always been my biggest motivation and that and just my family in general, just uh, getting them more out of the struggle, being able to help them, you know, my sister, my brothers, and just everyone in my family being able to help them. And I have a few goals in the future that I want to use when I have a big name in fighting. You know, I want to open some businesses in Oroville and uh, help my family out that way. Like a Mexican-owned family restaurant. My grandma and grandpa always wanted that, so that's uh, one of my biggest motivations on top of fighting. That's another dream I have. Very cool. And that's amazing to hear. And you have, at such a young age, you are so mature already. And uh, what, what, what I like most about you, too, is because you stay so humble. You know, you've won knockout after knockout. You're undefeated, but yet you keep consistent about your goals and your aspirations and your attitude, too, because attitude determines your latitude. Um, is there any advice? Because, again, you, you're entering into the sport and you've been introduced to the sport where you didn't have to go through and go through smokers and have to, like, dig through tapes in order to find, like, UFC or Pride or any of those places. The sport has always been around, and you're always going to get the best training because these gyms are always going to be up and operational where, you know, you can train with the best fighters in the world and get the training that you deserve. Uh, your age group. The, the younger guys entering into the game, is there any advice you can give them that want to be introduced to the sport, that want to get into the sport and actually fight? Is there any people that, anything you can give or any advice you can give to the young, your generation that wants to get into the sport? Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing I would say is just to be consistent, be in the gym. If you're trying to 
trying to go somewhere in the sport, you have to be consistent. That's what I've noticed. Uh, consistency makes people successful for the most part. If you put in hard work and you're there every day and you're grinding, and you you want to be one of the hardest workers in the room too. And it's it's hard to be one of the hardest workers in team health and because there's so many killers in there. But I always try to work as hard as I can, you know. And um, I think that's the key. And another thing that I would say that I really didn't uh, take. I didn't really take notice of this until I got my concussion, but I wouldn't recommend sparring hard numerous times a week, you know, like maybe once or twice a week. But uh, I did my studying after I got my concussion on CTE, brain trauma, and concussions, and how it can affect you later in life. And uh, my whole life growing up, when I started boxing when I was 12, I was sparring like every other day, you know. And growing up in MMA, I would always spar, bang, you know. That's what we'd say, bang, we'd always bang, throw hard as we can, you know, in the gym I came from, we didn't pull punches, you know, like, I remember one time my, uh, Sandal and my coach, my coach almost kicked my, me and my buddy Jason Powell out because we were pulling our head kicks and punches on each other and he didn't like it, but that's one thing I'd recommend is save your brain, do more technique and just be consistent. Very cool. And, um, so we're going to give you the, the opportunity because, again, we've got three minutes left in the show, and it's been an honor talking to you. And I can't wait to watch you in UFC and saying, I talked to that, that guy. He's the best. Like, I can't wait for that moment to happen. And uh, you're already making so many waves in the sport. So I'm going to give the microphone to you. Is there any sponsors, anybody you want to give shout-outs to, anybody you want, want to give a message to, anything you want to leave on the table? The floor is yours. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I want to give a – my sponsor just shout out real quick, of course, because uh, this is my first job I've had, and I, I kind of had to have it. But before that, you know, uh, before these last few months, my sponsors paid me every month, and they still do, and they make my life so easy. And I wouldn't be able to do this full time without them, you know. So I want to give a huge shout out to my cousin uh, Barbara Flacco. He's uh, been there for me since day one. Casey Cordinas and Wendy Cordinas of Snack Shack. Ben Hatch for DYKYB. Reverend Tattoo. 5155 where Lana's egg slides, Masula Chiropractic, Hallberg's Furniture and Appliances, Automotive USA, and then one of my really good buddies since day one. Um, he still supports me every day and helps me out when he can. He's Braden Clement. And uh, my team, Team Alphamil, all my coaches, Justin Buckles, Danny Castillo, Coach Joey Rodriguez, Master Tom, Chris Holdsworth, um, and all my teammates there as well, you know, um, Everyone there, we're all just making each other better, and it's just going to keep getting better for that team. And, of course, my friends, family, and fans, everyone who's ever bought a ticket, sure, supported me. And uh, my grandma, I love you, grandma, always. And, of course, my amazing girlfriend, <laughs> who uh, she she makes my life a lot easier, you know. She changed her whole life to make my life a lot easier. She moved from Oroville to Sacramento to help support me, chase this dream, you know. She's chasing it with me. Together, I think we'll get to the top, you know with this support system I have. And I also want to thank you guys for having me on the show, of course. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, Benito, it's, it's a true honor, you know, and truly appreciate you and looking forward to your, your next fight. Real quick here before we, we go, uh, care to let our, our fans know who, you, who your opponent is and what your next fight will be, son? Yeah, definitely. King I'll be fighting... Yeah, it'll be King of the Cage, October 8th, uh, at Gold Country Casino in Oroville, California. And my opponent is Jeremy Newsom. He is 4-0, and he's from Portland, Oregon. And I uh, can't wait. I've been working harder than ever for this. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to you getting your hand raised, son. 
you truly are a true warrior and a true gentleman, and I appreciate you and appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, man. Oh, God bless. David, truly a phenomenal kid. Very cool, and I love talking to him, too. We're, we're going to see this kid in the future. I can't wait to see Benito Lopez realize his potential, and he's going to continue his win streak, and he's got a great team behind him. But boys and girls from around the world, happy birthday, by the way, to my girlfriend. It's her birthday. I love you very much. And my sister just announced she's getting married in November. So it's been a big night, but more importantly, too, talking to you, Don, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for talking and taking this time. Almost oh, definitely. You know, look forward to it. Appreciate you, and everybody, God bless, and you have a good night. My mutual host with the most, brother. Thank you so much, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the podcast. I was a little bit screwed up considering I just had surgery. Eh, it happens. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side. We'll see you next week and plenty of podcasts coming up this week. Have a good rest of your night. Peace. Welcome to the Potter and McGuire podcast. Brought to you by Psychogear, Beast Fuel Energy Drink. Finished in MA and Dream Elite Pro Store.